0: We just ask this in in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lady named Hannah who was working uh, just after World War II in the area of of Israel and, and Palestine and all of the turmoil that was taking place. And after years of working, she realized, I need a break. And so she took a retreat up to the Swiss Alps in Europe. And while she was there, she was just, you know, recording in her diary um, aspects of things that she's reflecting on and, and thinking. And later, those reflections were turned into a book. Uh, but as she's sitting on a mountainside, watching water cascade down the side, there we go. Let's turn that on. So I like to think of Multnomah here, it's pretty, one of the prettiest spots spots in the in the known universe. Like right there, it's awesome. But she's watching water cast stage, she's like, if I could imagine what water's thinking right now as it goes over the cliff, it doesn't look like it's, I'm going to die. It's, it's more like, wee! like this is awesome. It, like water seems just delighted to cast itself into the void and to be dashed upon the rocks. It's gleeful. And so she said, if, if water was going to sing a song, this is what she imagined it to be. Come, O oh come, let us away, lower, lower every day. Oh, what joy it is to race down to find the lowest place! This is the dearest law we know. It's happy to go low, sweetest urge and sweetest will let us go down, lower still. And I love that because that actually ties into what we're going to talk about in Philippians chapter two about being a people that delight to go lower, to humble ourselves. And if I, could, if I could add one thing to her song, I was like, I wish you could incorporate something about how you can take two water droplets on your car hood and draw a line between them and they become one. Like water loves to, to gather itself together and it's hard to split it apart. I, I'd add that because that is also part of Philippians chapter two. But regardless, not my song, I didn't get to write it. But we're going to be in the scriptures this morning. And it's a a letter that a guy named Paul is writing to a church in northern Greece called Philippi. Paul is writing from prison um, because of this thing called the gospel. And if you don't know what the gospel is, it's going to be a confusing morning for you. Uh, But let me briefly try to explain it. The world is broken, and we are broken. There's, There's wars, there's famines, there's death, there's tragedy, there's all sorts of things that just make us really, really angry about the way that the world is. And of course, most of the time, it's all those people's fault, whoever those people are. But the other reality is that all of us have to admit that we fail to live up to our own standards. we look at the person in the mirror and we know that they should be better, and they're not. We experience a profound brokenness within ourselves. And the God who created heaven and earth, like the story uh, of the scriptures tells us, that God made this world to be good. And we, humanity, were the ones who broke it. And while God has every right to just cancel humanity, we deserved it. Um, Instead, because of his profound love and grace, he sent his son, Jesus, who took on human flesh, who lived a perfect, sinless life, showing us what humanity is meant to be, who then died in our place as our substitute for the sins of all humanity. So now, what is ours, what is broken and wrong about us, Jesus restores What we owe and the debts that we cannot pay, Jesus pays. And for all who would trust and follow the way of Jesus, God promises salvation. And one day, Jesus is going to come and set everything straight. And so the call is to repent. It's to turn from living life under our own standards and our own ways and to follow Jesus. All right, so that's the gospel. And that news has put Paul into prison. And he's writing to a church going through some hard times. Some of them likely have been arrested themselves. Um, There is conflict within the church. Um, It's not news anymore. It's been going on for a long time. People are fighting in the church, and they're struggling to agree. Uh, And the church wanted to support Paul. They heard he was in prison, so they sent money, and it turns out their messenger got really sick. I don't know if they knew if he ever even arrived on his trip. And so Paul is writing to address all of this, and the overall tone is one of just complete joy. Joy as he remembers their faith and their partnership in the gospel. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. Paul begins, therefore, in light of the fact that the Philippians have been blessed not only to believe in Jesus, not only to trust him, but also to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's anything good that has come your way because of Jesus, you know? Or as he said in Ephesians, like, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. You've been redeemed and forgiven and made part of God's family. You've been given a purpose and a meaning. You are destined to show angels and spiritual beings about the wisdom of God. Like, not little things. If there's any, anything to encourage you from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Paul says, you know what it would really just put me over the top and just make me wholly satisfied if you all got along. If you had one mind, one purpose. He says, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. So here's what that looks like. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And in case the first time, Isn't clear enough, he repeats this idea. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. And again, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Have an other-centric disposition. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is some good news. Paul literally breaks into song here, or at least into poetry, to tell us something. This is what I want you to understand. Have the mind of Christ. Look at Jesus, who, though from eternity past, was God. What was in the form of God was equal with God. This is a staggering statement that he makes there. Jesus didn't use that for his own advantage. He freely gave up his rights in order to become a human. He descended from heaven to earth. And we found him as a man who took on the form of a servant. And then humbled himself further and became obedient even to death, even Well, the most shameful death imaginable upon a Roman cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Like, there are so many things going on in this little bit of poetry. We could just spend the rest of today and the rest of next week doing it. Talking about how Jesus fulfills the Hebrew Scriptures notion that God raises up the humble and humbles the proud. Like, yeah, that's Jesus' story in spades. No one has humbled himself like Jesus. Jesus who gave up his rights in order to save us. Jesus who was God. And, and Paul is doing something. He, he's quoting Isaiah 45. This is staggering. Paul's a Jew. He believes that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. So if you go to Isaiah 45, this is what it says. The one true God of Israel. If you're a Jew, there is one God uh, whose name might be pronounced Yahweh. Normally read the Lord, all caps. And you don't worship any God, but the one God. And the one God in Isaiah is saying this, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. (laughs) There's no one else. I am it. By myself, I have sworn, because I can't swear by anything greater. By myself, I've sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me in the Lord and Yahweh alone are deliverance and strength. You want to know the character of the God of Israel? He says, I'm it. I'm it. I'm the only one who can save you. Don't go worshiping any lesser God. So for Paul, a first century Jew, believing these scriptures to then say, when we look at the Lord of the Old Testament, we find him to be revealed as God the Father and Jesus Christ the Lord. This is a staggering statement. Whereas as the church later came to formulate it, the one true God of Israel is revealed as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, loving each other eternally. That's who God is. There's a complexity to God. You know, go figure, there's a complexity to most things in my life. Um, and God is no, no different. So like this is that's a huge statement. The one true God of Israel is revealed as Father and Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is, again, worth talking a lot more about. If you have more questions, I would love to explain it to you. But Paul is going to do something with this psalm. Remember, he says, have this mind of Jesus. And he continues, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out, he says, in the presence of God, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. All right, work it out with fear and trembling, which is not to say God is like mean or angry or capricious, um, but rather you just need to be careful here. I'm a parent. I have four kids. A lot of my life right now is spent telling children about what the proper things to be afraid of are, whether kitchen knives or electricity or moving vehicles on the parking lot. Like there are things in life to be scared of. And in your own work, many of you guys deal with things, whether again, electricity, heavy machinery, you know, needles, drugs, whatever it is that you do, there's things that we need to take great care with. Because if we don't, we damage others, and we wreck the world. And Paul's saying our salvation is something we need to take care with. We need to work this out because God is at work in us. And so he he just, you know, welcome to the tension of the Christian life. We work, God works. And these things are not mutually exclusive. Something apparently can be 100% us and 100% God, and those just dovetail really well. And, And the best idea I have for while Paul, why Paul is saying these, these tension points is, is to say there's things that are accomplished when we hold stuff in tension. If you walk into my office, I have an office chair that is just a piece of fabric that's stretched tight between two points, and it can support my weight. So apparently there's some reason that he just puts them right next to each other. But God is at work to help us to desire to obey him, to actually empower the works that we do, And we need to give this everything that we have. So he'll continue. Now do everything without grumbling or arguing. No complaining, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 32. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, and, and two, like, two screens there. We just had like three different allusions to the Hebrew Bible um, to the Israelites complaining in the wilderness to the song of moses in deuteronomy 32 and even to this idea of like sacrifice and drink offerings and some of you are like what in the world is going on Uh, let me just explain one of them in the old times you want to make a sacrifice to god you kill an animal and you burn it and that aroma is something that apparently uh, could cover your sins and sometimes they would do one extra and they take a drink offering like a bottle of wine and they'd pour it on the top of the sacrifice I think what Paul is is saying is, guys, if I were to die, because I'm in prison and I'm not entirely sure I'm going to get out, I think I will, but I'm not sure, if I were to die right now, but I hear that you guys are making my joy complete by the fact that you're living in unity and in humility and you're looking out for each other's interests and you're holding on to the gospel, if you were all that I accomplished with my life, man, I'd be thrilled. It'd be worth it i count my hours well spent if you guys lived this way. So I'd rejoice with you. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus, Paul says, to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one also like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as a, soon as I see how things are going with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So apparently they had written, and they really wanted to see Timothy. And Paul's like, not yet, soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, coworker, and fellow soldier, who's also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. He was the one who who brought the money for Paul. For he, Epaphroditus, longs for all of you, and he is distressed, because you heard that he was ill. And indeed, he was ill, and he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety." So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. All right, we're going to stop, stop there at the end of the passage. Paul's covered a lot of ground. He says, if, if you have anything good in Jesus, here's how to complete my joy. Be one with one another. Think the same thoughts, have the same purpose, have the mind of Christ who who just isn't looking out for his own rights, but looking, how can he serve and humble himself? How can he go low in order to bless others? So here's what that looks like. One, stop complaining against one another. You know, stop stop being greedy. Look out for each other's interests. Hold on to the gospel, and, and I'll be thrilled if that's what you guys are doing. Now here's example one. Here's someone who has the mind of Jesus. Timothy does, because Timothy works for the sake of the gospel, and he loves me like a son loves his father, and he cares for you, and he doesn't look out for his own interests, but for those of Jesus. And here's another second example. Here's Epaphroditus. Here's someone who risked his life for the sake of the gospel to come and serve me, and now I'm sending him back to serve you. Honor such people. And so I think what Paul is, is doing here in chapter two is just saying, guys, we need to be like Jesus. And we do that by joyfully being together together in humility, and service, and in the gospel. We need to be like Jesus by t- joyfully now being united, being together. In humility, look, by looking out for the interests of others in service, and by holding on to the word of life in the gospel. So we're going to break those things down this morning. Or if it's helpful now, the water analogy. Have a mind like water being warmed by the gospel, no ice here, we move together and we joyfully find the lowest place. So if this is all you walked away from, and the next time you saw water beating up on your car, and you did the fun thing of drawing a picture, and the the multiple droplets become one, and you think, oh, that's what Christians should be. We should be joining together and and keep our unity. I I would be thrilled. Or if the next time you drive down the gorge Where you see a waterfall and you just see how water just flows ever to the lowest place, and you think that's how we as Christians should be constantly finding ways to get underneath and empower others, to serve others, to to be humble, then I would be satisfied. But I don't want to make too much of the water metaphor because the next time you guys open up Philippians 2, you're going to go, What in the world does this have to do with water? And you're not going to remember. So we're going to talk more about Jesus. And just say it like this be like jesus by joyfully being together in humility and service and the gospel so let's let's explain these things okay first of all be like jesus Uh, we need to recognize this is not rocket science i hope that we all need a standard for sorting through life's messes if we don't have a direction to go or or something to to measure our progress by we're going to be lost And, and no no team in any sport gets very far if they don't know what end of the field they're supposed to run to so we need to value Jesus as our highest good and our example. Like he is the metric of what a human, what a Christian is supposed to be like. If we don't look like Jesus, we're doing something wrong. So again, hopefully this is just a big head nod. Uh-huh, we all get it. But let it just be said, we should be looking like Jesus together. And like Jesus, let's be humble. Because he didn't cling to his rights. He he gave it up willingly in order to save us, even to the point of death. So, one, let's be humble by recognizing life's just not about me. I have wonderful small children, and it is my pleasure and privilege and responsibility to just carefully instruct them in the ways of life, and one of those is to help them as they grow learn that life is just not all about them. And it's an ongoing lesson because I'm 35 and it's an ongoing lesson for me to realize, oh, this isn't actually all about me. Okay. So, so not, not about me. Secondly, this is not in the scripture. This is just out of the Hooten family environment. I would encourage you that one of the primary ways that we can express humility one to another is by seeking to understand before being understood. I'm convinced that when we as Christians listen to one another and make space to hear what someone else wants to say, It's just one of the most profound acts of humility. And I say that because things didn't go super well relationally between Kara and I this week, and we tread on some emotional landmines and blew up into a heated emotional argument that went to like one in the morning before we finally made peace enough to go to sleep. And five hours later, when I had to get up, the first thought of my brain is, I need to make things right with my wife because this marriage matters more than this argument. And and, and being right with her matters more than being right. And so like, you know, 14 hours later, I finally said, okay, (laughs) I will be willing to listen to you and just shut up and hear you out and not be threatened by what you're sharing. And, uh, And it worked. So this is just my suggestion. This is a great way to express humility. And then, of course, to stop complaining and grumbling, because the reality is, when we complain and grumble, we are accusing the people around us and God himself of, of not doing what they should, of shorting us out. God, this life is not up to my standards. You have not done well, and so I am justified in, in telling you so. It's, it's a rather arrogant thing to do versus to say, I, I don't actually deserve this. I, do, I deserve nothing. Or, or, or bad stuff. That's what I actually deserve. So no complaining, no grumbling. Oh, wouldn't you guys like to be part of a community where never was heard a discouraging word? Yeah, I know. We would also like to live in a place where the skies are not cloudy all day, but you know, one of, one of these we have a choice about and the other one is completely up to God. Secondly, all right, so we're gonna be like Jesus by humility. We're gonna be like Jesus now by service. So we wanna think about how to bless and serve others and then do it. To think about the interests of others actively. This is not, this is not a, a passive thing of like, oh, when people's needs you know, come my way, like, I should respond to them. Well, yeah. Yeah, but also actively. How can I take what is mine, what God has given me, and how can I leverage this to be a blessing for other people? So I don't know the situations of your life enough, but you do. You know that there's a person, probably right now, that you're like, yeah, I should... Do something kind for them, whether, whether that's to, to just speak a kind word, to do a small act of service, or a large one. I don't know what it is. So I want you to pull out your smartphones right now, everyone. serious Yeah, just pull it out, because you're not going to remember this one, and so I'm going to help you. So if you have an Apple phone, just pull it out and just say, hey, Siri, remind me in one hour to be nice to that person you can send yourself a text message, or if you're Android, hey Google, remind me in one hour to be nice to that person. And if any of your phones responded to my voice, I would just be thrilled, that would be so cool to be able to do that. All right, but just make yourself a note, because we'll forget. But the reality is Paul says make my joy complete by thinking of others. When you get to chapter four in Philippians, he'll actually say, I'm, I'm gonna plead with these two women to be reconciled, I don't know what's going on. But rea- life is complicated. And it's not always easy and it's not always clear and we don't honestly always know what is right and what is wrong so how do we figure it out together and paul's giving us tools he says you know it starts by being humble it starts by looking out for the interests of others and then it continues by clinging to the gospel so let us as a community be like jesus and help find ways to help other people hear about jesus there's actually a little bit of amb- ambiguity. Is Paul saying we cling to the word of life and we hold fast to it? Or is Paul saying we hold out the word of life for other people? And, uh, and I'm not sure different translations go different ways on it, but I think both are what we need. We need the people who hold dearly to Jesus, who say like, Jesus matters no matter what, and then who hold it out and say, and Jesus can matter to you. Would you hear about him? So ways that we can be like Jesus and help others about it is one, we can just pray. We can pray for missionaries, for people who have given their lives to go tell other people about the good news. In some cases, have risked life and limb and family for it. Or or a missions organization or a a charitable organization or, or for a church. We can just pray and ask God to leverage the power of heaven on their behalf. Or maybe we can support them and financially contribute like the Philippians did the work that Paul was doing. Or maybe we can pray some dangerous prayers. I've got a few tears, like a few levels of of dangerous prayers you guys can pray. All right, here's level one. Ask God, God, would you change my heart until I actually want others to hear about Jesus? If if we aren't even there yet, if you are like, I should want that, but I don't, then just invite God to change your heart. Say, God, would you help me to want to see that happen? Level one. All right, here's level two. God, would you change my heart to want to share Jesus with others. Uh Oh, you see what I did there? Now, now you're gonna pray and say, God, would you make it so that I actually desire to be the one sharing Jesus? That's that's a level two. I started praying that two years ago. Um, Scary things have happened, but good things, good things. So here's level three. God, would you put me in situations where it's actually more awkward to avoid talking about Jesus than to just talk about him? You know, I'd say like level four, like, God, would you give me opportunities to speak of Jesus to others? That's a scary prayer. And if you're not ready for it, then maybe this one. So when you wake up early and you're hitting Starbucks at like early this morning and someone says, like, why are you awake this early? And you say, well, I have a sermon, I'm going to go practice uh, for our church today. And they go, oh, okay. Yeah, like that. Just, it's more awkward to try to avoid Jesus. Like, let's just talk about him so we can pray. Um, Now, Paul just says, you know, be like Jesus, be united, have the same mind, have the same purpose. Here's, Here's ways to make that happen. Be humble, serve one another, hold on to the gospel. But something else that he says is to honor those who humbly walk in the way of Jesus. Look at Epaphroditus, your messenger. He didn't run off with the money. You know, he succeeded in his mission. He was just really sick and he risked his life in order to bless Paul. You should honor people like that. And so whether it's people like Mother Teresa, who moved into the down-and-out streets of Calcutta to love the broken and the hurting, you know, the lepers... And the children, and she just came to love them with a smile, to recognize them as people. Or or whether people like Billy Graham. I know he has a a much more public profile, but I had a I had a boss who was not a Christian. The guy was a Vedanta Hindu, and I don't really even know what that means. But one day we're talking in the kitchen, he's like, Why don't all Christians study the life of Billy Graham? And I went, What? He's like, the guy's amazing, no scandals. Like, I think every Christian should look at his life because he looks like Jesus. It's like, okay. Okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. Oh. Hey Sterling, you're not at your, your spot. Would you come up here? I need Sterling. Is he is he taking care of kids? Awesome. He has no idea that I'm doing this. <laughs> and the longer we wait, the better it's going to become. I, I was re- thinking about this. Like Jesus hanging on the cross shows us that like embarrassment and glory can go together um, because he, he bore shame joyfully and so God exalted him. So I'm going to embarrass Sterling as a way to honor him this morning if I can. I'll give him a few more seconds, but he's he's likely just out taking care of things. There he is. Yeah, come on up. We've been waiting for you. So Sterling, I don't know if you were listening or not, but one of the things that, that Paul told us is to honor those who humbly walk in the way of Jesus. You've got to come out here so people online can see you. And guys, yeah, this is Sterling. This is my brother. I don't know if you know about him, but he's one of the elders of the church. And this guy, um, he receives no compensation, but he sure has received a whole lot of stress over the last couple of years uh, trying to love and serve you and he, he and his wife Courtney they just opened up their hearts and their homes to you guys over and over again and he's here every single week serving blessing uh, leading worship running sound you know his kids are are absent their father most Sunday mornings because he's here trying to take care of you and and he's not perfect but the guy looks an awful lot like Jesus so I just want to say he's worthy of honor and thank That's you. The beard. Yeah? yeah? Love you, man. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Guys, we should be like Jesus by joyfully being together in humility and service and the gospel. So let me conclude uh, with the second half of the water song. Hear the summons night and day calling us to come away. From the heights, we leap and flow to the valleys down below, always answering to the call to the lowest place of all, sweetest urge and sweetest pain to go low and rise again. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have blessed us. God, thank you for the staggering truth about Jesus that the the nature of, of almighty power And wisdom and grace and love is a a power that blesses and doesn't consume, that you are the God that gives and doesn't take. That you your glory is revealed as as you lay down your life in order to save your enemies and those who hate you. Truly, there is just no God like you. Father, would you help us to have the mind of Christ together? Would you help us to be people who are so committed uh, to your church? that we got to be right together rather than to be right. Would you help us to be a community that lays aside our, our own self-interest and our, our personal preferences uh, in order to bless uh, and serve others? Father, we need your help. <laughs> we are, we're broken and, and we're selfish. And, um, and sometimes, God, we just get stuck. And this life is really confusing and we're not sure how to go forward. And I, we just pray that you would give us the mind of, of Christ. You'd help us to live humbly, uh, to look after one another's interest, and to cling hard and fast to this good word about Jesus. Uh, would you transform us together as a community even this morning and, and now help us to praise your name uh, for the sake of your son and what you've done for us in him. Father, bless your people this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.